Welcome to Growing Up Fire with Jamie Coots. Seahawk, it is our commitment to you that you have complete access to the top professionals, industry experts, and products for your fire service. We stand by the service and products we provide. We are proud of our past, and we are constantly listening to our customers and exploring new ways to bring better options to the fire service. This is Seahawk. High level, safety, service, security. Please visit our website at www.seahawkservice.ca or give us a call at 1-888-791-4210. All right, welcome to Grown Up Fire, Season 3, Episode 7. I'm out here in Vulcan County, in Vulcan, if you can imagine. Yes, insert everything you want right there. I'm here with Doug and Peter. Thanks, boys. Appreciate uh, having me out. Thanks for having us on the show. This is that point where they're still looking at me like, we don't know what we got into. This is going to be horrible. But trust me when I tell you it'll all be fine an hour from now. You'll be like, that was an hour. You know, we're just here to talk fire. Just here to have a good time and and see what's going on. I visited here actually two times. One, we were undercover. Actually, I'm lying. We just came in late. No one was around. So Kirsten and I drove around, had a quick look. And then the second time, uh, Brent Paquette from Chesmere and I came in and and had a look around. So super pumped to be back. I'm super pumped to talk about a recruitment and retention strategy you got going here. Everyone's going to be like waiting for me to shut up so we can get to that. But let's talk a little bit first. Can, Can we talk about the area first a little bit? Because I got to tell you, I'm from the north where there's trees and, and all of that stuff. But being out here driving around, maybe it's because I watched too much 1883 and 1923 and Yellowstone. and But this is a beautiful area. Yeah, it, it definitely has its high spots. Right. For sure, yeah. You got the hills and the valley on one side. You got the mountains on the other side. You drive into town and there's trees everywhere. You're lucky. This is a beautiful spot. You haven't been here on a windy day yet. <laughs> uh, Kirsten sitting over there. She said the same thing. And then we were driving through the new subdivision over by the golf course. And every second patio had like the glass wall on the deck, right? And I was like, something suspicious, something lethargy about this area. We can get those southwest winds coming in pretty hard. All uh, right on. So the cows all walk with a little bit of a limp in their giddy up Sometimes. There. Usually they put their butt to the wind. And- <laughs> nice. Okay. It is beautiful here though, but as I was driving in today, I was thinking to myself, they must have a lot of wildland, like grass fires here. We have quite a few and, and we're, we're coming into like the busy season now. And, and if you, like you're looking out the window right now, how dry it is. Oh yeah. It's been like that all winter. We'll get the snow, it'll melt, it'll have its runoff. And then usually by the time we're rolling in the spring, we're already well into a drought. And Peter himself is a rancher. So, I mean, he could tell you just how dry it is out there. I mean... This is not the best time of year for us, for no, sure. No, for so. sure, yeah. In the north, it was funny because the worst time for us was probably like May, let's just say, April, May. And then we would watch and you guys would have bad right in the spring, right, when everything was... And then later on in the fall again, you'd have like, uh, you know, that September, October yep. where things could go wrong for you here. And we would all watch that because by September, October in the north, we're like waiting for snow, what's going to happen next, right? It was always fun to be up there and watch you and say, wow, look at how busy they are. And that's crazy. And what's going on? And and some of those massive wildfires that just go like, you just call the next town and be like, it's coming to you now. And then the next town is coming to you now. But when we drive through here, we talked a lot about 1923 on the way in today. So I don't know if you guys watch that. You probably make I fun do. of that. Yeah, I've, I've been watching Yellowstone. I haven't been watching the spinoffs much. Yeah. As a rancher, you're just driving around throwing bikers off your land and stuff now. Eh? Pretty so. much. Yeah. <laughs> I carry a branding iron behind the seat of the truck. <laughs> I love it. Love it. So we got lots of grass calls, obviously. We were on the highway and we're crisscrossing highways. So I have to guess lots of motor vehicle accidents probably out this neck of the woods. Predominantly right here on 23. Yeah. Right on this main highway that's right here. And then you would have seemed like a lot of older communities as we drove through. So you're going to have some house fires probably and some things like that going on. We get it for sure. I, I don't have the stats specifically for me. I know we've seen a huge uptick during COVID with structure fires just because everyone was home. Yeah. You know, they take a little more risky, a little more yeah. accidental when things happen. Eh? So, no, that's fair enough. Fair. And then Peter, you're from right in town here. 
I live just west of town, a couple just, of miles. Just west of town. And you're the district chief for Vulcan. That's right. This, so the, this the, area. The town of Vulcan and the rural area surrounding it. Around Okay. And Vulcan is the biggest town in Vulcan County in That's the right. fire service. Yeah. Okay. And been here for a long time. I promised you guys I would tell you the story. So 2001, let's say, came here for some uh, training and everyone said, you're going to Vulcan. I'm from the north. Sorry, fellas. I was like, I don't even know where that is, right? And they're like, you know, the place with the spaceship. No, sorry. Don't know the place with the spaceship, right? So finally looked it up, came with another instructor, and we were doing an MVA training session. There was a newspaper here. I can't remember the name of it, but it's probably still the same one. Well, Vulcan Advocate. Okay. And so this young girl, I don't think she was 20. She came from the Vulcan Advocate. She was volunteering along with another guy that was with her to be our patient for the scenario days to get through. And I got to tell you that it will go down in history, in my history, as one of the greatest training sessions that I ever got to take part in. She moaned and cried and yelled and pissed and yapped the entire time we were doing it to the point where we would, I would actually, as the instructor, stop and I'd be like, are you okay? And she would stop give me this massive smile, a wink and say, everything's good. And then she would immediately go back to yelling and screaming. <laughs> and when they pulled her out of the car, they called no duff like four times because they were absolutely positive that they'd hurt her or squished her or she's my number one or number two best actress of all time to do in scenarios. And, and so in my mind, that's what Vulcan's very, very famous for. In Kirsten's mind, she remembered right away that it was windy. So it's super famous for wind for her. But for me, one of the greatest scenario days that I could ever remember having. So hopefully she still lives in town. Hopefully she heard this, but that just absolutely made, it was on the second weekend, right? And it just absolutely made my weekend, made it so real for the firefighters. Like I've been on scene since where it's like, these people are hurt and they're not yelling and yakking as much as this girl did. Just brings out realism to it. It's so realistic. Like to that point where like she would smile and give me that wink and say she's okay. And two minutes later, I'd be like, are you sure you're okay? You're not just toughing it out. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's just like, this is incredible. So I do have that small connection to Vulcan. It's a very, very fond memory for me. I was, I think of it and I talk about it every time I drive into town. So pretty awesome. Okay. So let's go back. Let's start with you, Peter, just because we can. Okay. What got you into the fire service and how long you've been in the fire service? Well, when I, uh, Got out of school, I went to college, and I ended up moving to Brooks. I had an opportunity to move back to the farm, and I was working with Dad, and I got recruited by the local department in the village of Arrowwood at the the uh, north end of the county here. And I'd never really given it much thought, but uh, I guess I was a young guy that was back in the area, and they sunk their claws into me, and they pulled me in. Another guy down. <laughs> it was uh, it was a little bit different for them because I was one of the first members that didn't actually live in the village. I lived about eight or nine miles out of town, and uh, I know the the chief's time or thought at the time was that I wouldn't make any calls. But I ended up doing something that I'm not supposed to do anymore, and I responded with my own truck to most of the calls. And quite often, I'd I'd meet them on scene, or I'd beat them there. Or, whatnot. I carried my gear around the back of the truck and just took off from there. I got really interested and hooked on it and started craving the training and got more into the medical side of things there. They put me through my EMR and and then uh, that wasn't enough for me. So then I put myself through the EMT program at SATE and Got to do something in the winter, right? Well, I got cows for that too. But, <laughs> but yeah, so that's that's how I got started. I was in my, my late 20s and they sucked me in there. So and then I ended up moving off dad's place and buying my own place. So it just happened to be west of Vulcan. And same kind of deal. I got asked to to come in. They were excited. They had someone in the area with some experience. And, and that was nearly six years ago. And yeah, I got uh, pulled into the this station and... Nice. Ended up working my way up to the top here. So. How many kids do you have? Two. Two. So two more firefighters on the way? Well, they they uh, <laughs> they definitely have been a lot around it a lot more than I have been. Uh, yeah. Before I started in Arrowwood, I had zero experience with the fire department. Yeah, you didn't really grow up fire. You grew up fireman, right? And so that's cool. That got in your blood and stayed there. And uh, now it's funny. Your kids are probably a little bit of both, maybe. Yeah, every once in a while, I'll, and, and Doug can can confirm this, I yap about retiring now and then, and 
And I get the same answer as I do from Doug and my firefighters and my kids. No, you don't want to do that. They're, they're still pretty pumped that their dad gets to drive the fire truck in the parade. So Yeah. My son is a firefighter and my daughter works in emergency management. And uh, my grandson is the problem because his mom is an RCMP and his dad is a fireman. So we're trying to get him over to our side. A little bit of a power struggle. In him, right? yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, we're going to have to work around the whole gun issue and stuff. But <laughs> it's fun to watch him. He gets a little confused. He'll be playing. He has like a fire truck bunk bed and it's he gets on the radio and he'll be like yeah 10-4 uh, I'm gonna need some backup here and then he's talking about being at a fire and then he's like I need some more officers and I need and I'm like bud you got just pick I can't listen anymore pick <laughs> play play police or play fire but you can't have nobody at a fire calls in on the radio and says we need more officers nobody ever so <laughs> yeah, yeah you gotta, gotta pick one <laughs> yeah quit mixing it's, them up it's driving my ocd crazy you can't do it so which usually is a win for him because then all of a sudden i'll come in and we start playing fire and he does often let me be the deputy chief which is nice Obviously, he's the chief, but it's fun to have the kids kind of get to be part of it and be part of it. So, so. he's assuming command. Yeah, he is, right? but whatever. <laughs> so he trains more than I do, so I let him do his thing. Awesome. So, Doug, let's move to you. Let's hear your story. It's essentially in my blood. Like I, I grew up, my dad's been in the fire service for somewhere around 40 some odd years, nice. right? So when I was growing up, he was with, you know, he started off in the uh, true volunteer sense where he would just get home. He used to work for a railroad, get home, and then he was the chief, uh, I think it was search mount or something like that, and that could be messed up on the, the titles. Yeah. But I remember going to, like, um, burns when they were able to burn down structures and stuff like that with him and stand there and sit in the pump house while they were doing that. And then he moved on to uh, become, uh, I guess, uh, the, OF, the OFM in Ontario, so a oh, fire wow. marshal. Yeah. And uh, we would travel wow. around. <laughs> We would travel around, you know, delivering gear and stuff like that to the departments in, in northern Ontario. And then we moved to, um, I think it was uh, Iqaluit, uh, where he was uh, essentially the sole uh, officer of the fire marshal. I don't even know what his title was. But he, he would go around and do investigations and stuff. He liked fires. So it was very much in me. When I was going through high school, I had the opportunity to join a department, AWARES. It was a small little department, and it was just on the outskirts of Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Once I started there, it was it was in, I, I was hooked, right? You know, I followed on, so I got into the military. Sturgeon County was right next to uh, to my base. Uh, so I got on uh, Nemeo. I carried on through that right up until I got out of the forces and I, and I came here very much in my blood I into guess. it that's yeah. cool was anyone in it before your dad or was your dad the first one no i think my dad was the uh the first one okay. yeah and do you have kids or are they i do i have my son's into it okay uh, he's in the he's in the forces now too yeah. um but i have a 22 year old and a and a uh, 14 year old and the 14 year old's counting down the days till he turns 16 when he can join as a as a junior junior fire. So, yeah. okay good okay. stuff Nice, man. I love to hear those stories, right? And I love in both of your stories, I don't know if you noticed this, but you talked about how you started doing the training and that's when you really got into it. And it started to, I, I can't believe, I always tell people, if you can make it through the first year, like we got you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right? Yeah. You'll threaten to quit for a long, long time, but, <laughs> but no one ever does, right? And then someday, finally, something happens and we got to leave. And it's a sad day. I mean, I'll tell you, I was in Slave Lake for 28 years. And when I left there, I was crushed. I didn't know who I was anymore. It becomes a part of who you are. As much as, you know, being a rancher, as much as being in the military gets into your blood, so does firefighting and, and all of those things. So, you know, growing up fire, the title came from all those people that watch firefighters and then grow into it and, and become it. And then we just keep going, right? I love you said your dad has like 40 some years. I love those guys because they're the ones call me kid all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> went to Nova Scotia and there was a guy there had 58 years. Right. And he's like, son, come over here. I want to talk to you about that. And I was like, I'm 50 years old. Yeah. Right. But he's 80 and has 58 years in the fire service, you know, almost double what I got. Right. So you're just like, come on, man. And it's very much like that. Like if I need uh, advice and, and now I know I'm talking to, to a guy that's been there and, and the sayings there, it always drives me nuts when someone says, well, I've, I've forgotten more than you'll ever know in the true sense this man, I truly believe, has probably forgotten more than I've probably ever know, yeah. right? So it doesn't matter what, what kind of question I bring to him. He's either he's either dealt with it or, or, or know someone that's dealt with it. Heard a story it, about a story it or talk to somebody yeah, about I mean, it. I always hang up feeling 
Okay. You know what I mean? So <laughs> it's true, yeah. right? We we just have those guys. That's, mine's Ken Skull, just guy that came up in Slave Lake with us, right? He is our deputy and uh same thing, right? You could call him and he's been retired now almost as long as he was on and it's still that guy you can call and be like, Hey, what are we what are we gonna do? And here? everyone needs that guy. Oh you, you got know? you got it, right? And I love too that I still learn so much from other people, like even sometimes new people. Cause I'll be like, you know what? I probably knew that at some point, but I don't like a five-year guy talking to me about interior tack and, you know, some nozzle work and stuff. And I'll be like, I don't think I know that anymore. I probably did, but I don't think I know that anymore. Right. Which is. Uh, and, and I think Peter can, can talk to that. Cause you have um, essentially a new recruit recruit, Kaylee. Yeah. And, and I mean, this guy is. He's hungry. Oh, he's hungry, he's hungry for it. And, and yo, I mean, they all are. Right. Um, no, but, yeah, he, but he really stood out because he was looking for an answer to something. I can't remember what it was, but I was quite impressed when you came to me and told me the story. But he went out and he did the research. And you're, you're, you're on the spot now, Peter. You're on the spot. Yeah, now. we got to talk about that. I can't remember exactly what it was. But, <laughs> but no, and it, it really is refreshing to have these hungry guys come up too. And kind of reminds you of yourself a little bit when you started. And, you know, sometimes we don't always have the most ambitious fellas that are that are showing up every yeah. day or we've had to drag them in or that's whatever, right right yeah so. and now we get someone that that is hungry and keen and there is something truly special about the fire sponge right that that person that comes and they just like more and more and more and even you can see it in your training right like it takes everyone around them and makes them train harder and be better and want to be able to answer the questions and so From us as leaders too it makes us they hold us to account too right? and we have to step up our game and yeah you got to be able to answer the questions right? answer the question and and satisfy that that hunger they have so they they keep it it's kind of it's one of my problems in Chesapeake right now there's a whole bunch of them like a big handful of sponges and it's a lot to manage some days because you you got to keep feeding the beast right all the time they want to know more they want to know more they want to know more and you're, you wonder at some point how much more is there that'll fit in their in their heads right yeah, there, there's been a few times we've had to tell them to slow down right <laughs> yeah. which sucks because you want them to give her but i mean you can only feed information at a at a certain pace right I mean, we've had we've had uh firefighters go through here like we we have one right now that's uh damn but we we got him when he was i remember when we got him when he was a junior just gun ho and, and and you see them grow you know and and i think that's where a lot of the pride comes from too because you, you see them when they come in knowing nothing to where you're building them up where they're ready to go off and do this as a career and you're sorry to see them go but you're you're proud to see them go you know you know what i mean exactly I, you know we used to have that talk all the time when i was in slave and and it would uh it's kind of like oh you know we pour all this money and all this time and all this effort into them and and then they leave but i would always be like yeah but they were so great when they were here right like they gave us everything they had they came to every call they could they pushed the others they drug all of us along with them and so if we lose them after two or three years and they go on to bigger and better things i don't know isn't that kind of cool i'm never against that either for sure and we have that you know we're a small city fire department so we have people that are going to move on to they want to be working for the big show right the big smoke in calgary or or they want to go live in the mountains and work for one of those places Man, i'm all for that i don't i don't care do a good job when you're here keep doing it when you move on right carry on our name i won't lie i used to call ken block up in edmonton once in a while and be like dude you just stole four of our guys again like you owe me lunch i'm coming to collect lunch <laughs> right like it's enough but you know over the years it was always good to see your people all over the place and if i think back to firefighters i worked from i i would say there's a barely a fire department in alberta that doesn't have you know a slave lake guy in it from some time in my past, which is cool. It's a fun thing to know that they learned their little bit there and then went on to learn bigger things. I'm still shocked at conferences and stuff. I'll show up and somebody, there's a guy in Lethbridge, Kelly LaRondell. I don't know if you ever ran into him, but he started just after me and now he's a captain. He's in charge of the hazmat stuff there in, in Lethbridge. And I'm like, what? We were just kids like a couple weeks ago, weren't we? <laughs> but it goes right so doug i'm going to go back to you and i want you to just think for a second you know you grew up fire obviously right at what age and when exactly do you think do you have a memory where you're like oh i'm in oh yeah 
<laughs> I, I would say it would have been when I would be doing the traveling around with them, right? So when I would go with my dad to these uh, different municipalities throughout Northern Ontario, because sometimes you'd get there and they'd be doing the training and stuff like that. And I knew I always wanted to do it. It's just the opportunities weren't always there. And my dad was a very um, fair person and I had to I had to earn my place in, in the service, right? So he didn't put his name on the line or anything like that. Like I had to get into these halls on my own merit. So when I was able to get into uh, to AWARES, so through high school, I knew I wanted it. And then when I got on with AWARES and I did that first call, I'll say the first call because training, I don't remember the training. Like it was, it was training, right? But I remember that first call and then I knew I was hooked and, and I wanted to do that. Yeah. forever but the situation that i was in it, it just didn't happen right there was no career departments to get on there was big freezes everywhere so i joined Bad timing. So, yeah so i joined the forces and i had the opportunity to get on with surgeon county and i did that through my my whole career and did all the yeah all the training and Man, that's crazy there now eh yeah it's so different up there it is it's yeah. mcmansions everywhere and <laughs> you know so probably make peter start grinding his teeth here all the ranches that went down to mcmansions but all right, back to you. We're going to talk a little bit about, and, and I love the, the farm, the ranch aspect of the fire service. Always amazes me. I say farmers got the toughest job in the world, right? So they're working for themselves. So they got to deal with that boss. You know, they got cattle that's waiting on them or crops that got to come off or hay that's got to get put up or whatever. And yet the tones go off and there's just some drive to stop what they're doing and help out right and so just a little i want to get a little into the psyche of the farm ranch people out there in the fire service what drives that because you know i never met one that's not like that all of you are the exact same right like busiest people i know certain times of the year just flat out but the tones go off and that's it you're coming the biggest reason for that probably and especially when i was first starting was when those tones go off it's usually your neighbors, friends, someone in the community that's having a problem or a really bad day and they need your help. And I know we've we've had our own times in the past where we've had the fire department come to our place. I, uh, <laughs> and I guess that was the biggest part of it, especially harvest time. I mean, we were working our butts off trying to get the crops in especially working with dad and he's he's wanting to get going and I shut the combine off to go to a call and he's never once given me troubles over it. But usually he can see the plume from his window and and he knows that somebody is in troubles and we got to go help him because if we don't, who is? Yeah, that's right. So yeah, we, we turn the key off and jump in the pickup and take off and put the fire out. And there's been times I've been back in the combine and my face is covered in soot and I'm filthy and dirty and need a shower. But mom brings me a sandwich and a can of Coke and <laughs> we go until dad says it's time to cook. And so that, that's the biggest reason out here. And, you know, with the cattle, same way, sometimes it's it's hard to leave in the middle of something. You get in the middle of a job, you know, you can't just turn the key off and go. But I'll try to uh, get things put out, put away, or I'll let the guys know I'll be, I'll be ten or fifteen minutes behind them, and I get there when I can. And yeah, I mean, there's always calls we can't make it to, but I just how many times I've showed up, and and sometimes they come in the tractor, <laughs> sometimes they don't even shut it off. That's the closest thing, so they bring it. Or sometimes we prefer the tractor because <laughs> they're pulling a double disc behind them, and they can put a lot of fire out with that. Yeah, so. yeah, fair, especially out here. And Peter hits on a good example because a lot of our firefighters are farmers they only have certain times of the year so they got to get their crops in right they got to get them in on time right so that they're able to, to harvest it on time and that and that's where they make their money but these guys and and every time we have these large fires they all shut their equipment down it doesn't matter what's going on maybe they're going to be behind another day or two and hold, that one day or two might make the difference whether they get hailed on or whatnot and they have to go through crop insurance right but they stop what they're doing they get to their holes, they get in the trucks, and they go help those. Uh... It's always been amazing to me. And they got no problem calling a guy up and be like, hey, we're not having training tonight. Everyone's in the field. Don't be stupid. That's right. <laughs> so you're like, okay, no problem. Yeah. But then you're like, hey, we got a big one going. 
and everybody shuts down and they're there. Right. And so it's like, wow, that's like good prioritizing for them. But then you'll actually see, you'll come back to the fire hall and I used to work the guys in Flatbush a lot in the North and they would get back to the fire hall and now they're kind of like making a game plan. Right. Cause they know, okay, well, you're not going to finish your place today, but if we all go to your place, let's just go like, like right now, we'll just all go to your place and we'll get yours finished. Right. And then tomorrow we'll just go and do his place. And so they know they lost four hours, six hours, eight hours, but they, you could see them making a plan. Right. And then everyone else will be like, Oh, we're going to clean up. You got to just go, 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 go. Right. And they're all up to the trucks and away goes the dust plumes and, and they're back at it. I knew you were going to say it's the neighbor thing and helping each other. And, and that that's the farmer's way. I'm not a farmer. So I just, I had a gut feeling you were going to say that. And it always made me so proud to see all those folks show up, right? And then, I mean, nothing better than uh, somebody that comes from the farm as far as hands-on tool work, right? I mean, you just can't beat the... You don't need to go to university to learn how to rip a car apart, but there's something about working on a farm that makes you really, really good at it. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it's always like a breath of fresh air when the truck door opens and it's like, one, two, three. Oh, I got four farmers today. This is going to go good. You know, you got someone that knows how to drive a truck and... Oh, yeah. All the pieces, right? How a chain actually works, how a come along actually works, right? So that's good stuff. Doug, let's go to you a little bit on the next one here. And, and I want to talk a little bit about in your mind when it goes from paid on call to full time. And I always, often tell people, right, some of the best years of my life were paid on call system, even maybe before that, the volunteer system, right? It, it wasn't about politics. It wasn't about money. It was about helping out, right? It was a simpler time. We did a lot less calls. It was easier to get away with. But as I progressed along, somewhere along the line, having it become a full time job, ruined some of it for me, right? Some of it got better, some of it got worse, right? What was your experience with that when you finally transitioned to a full-time gig? It was a it was a huge culture shock for me and these guys, you know, when I first got here can can attest to that. So I got out of the military and I came here as the uh deputy chief of operations and training. Leaving Sturgeon County, I was very much still in there, you know, and and hands-on. Coming here taking on the uh deputy chief role was more of the you're still there but you're not the guy going in anymore and you're in you know and you and I love training so I didn't really lose anything there what I felt I lost was the camaraderie of going in if that makes sense like you're you're part you're part of the team but once you get up into that upper management I try to be on the floor I try to be around the guys but it's it's not the same if that makes any sense you know what I mean so you definitely give up a little when you're when you're leaving the uh, the paid on call world coming in especially when you're coming into the uh, the chief officer roles and stuff like that you you're giving up quite a bit yeah so for sure it was fine when before the podcast started we were giving each other a hard time about being cheap right because that's a title that goes with being chief and I laughed Peter because you said. Yeah, it's fun to give it to Doug because he's the boss, but I get it from the guys I work with too because you're a district chief. That's and right. It's uh, that two-way street. Eh? It is. It's different, but it's still fun. It's still nice to help set the tracks and keep the train on it. But you're you're not wrong, right? I mean, right. the best job any of us ever had is kicking the door down. And I honestly, uh, Jamie, I enjoy uh, now watching these guys work. At the end of the day, like watching them do the job and just the proficiency of their work. Yeah. Right. And, and knowing uh, that we all had a hand in that. We're all one big team. So, yeah, I'm not the guy anymore, but I'm a guy that had a, a hand in that. Still looks good from the pickup, eh? <laughs> come on peter you're not just gonna let him walk away here well, I'm, I'm just sitting here thinking i i'm really in the sweet spot because i still get to get out of the pickup and i don't necessarily have to get dirty either <laughs> yeah still a lot of good jobs you could uh, take over no no question yeah. it's fun how it all goes up all right, we're going to switch gears a little bit here and start talking about this beautiful hall we're sitting in, if we if we can. Your Tri-Services Hall. This is a fairly new hall, is that fair to say? You would, It was here before I got here, so you would know best. Probably, it's got to be... 2009, 10? 
Yeah, I was gonna say it's. Oh wow! Yeah, that's thirteen years old. Kept good care of it. Just <laughs> got fresh paint in here. Ah, there you go. Uh, it's all pretty nice outside. Nice new pavement, and uh, it looks pretty good. So, you know, when we see a building like this, we see lots of fire halls. I think we're at to like 460 or something, 460 in the last five years. And this one definitely sticks out for me in my mind. Some of the things I loved, right? You could tell me good, bad, or ugly. Police station on one end, kind of out of the way, right? Kind of its own thing, but still attached by a wall. Ambulance in the middle right? Some blow through doors, love that. And then fire department all on this one end next to your training center. So you go, you know, a few hundred more feet and you're out at this big, beautiful, I'll put it on social so everyone see it, but this big, beautiful training center that's out there. You know, the layout is awesome, right? I would have to assume it works, operates really nice. You're really happy with it, right? It's fun. You go out into the bays, right? All these drive-through bays and fire trucks pointed at every door. I don't know what it is about firefighters, but if there's a door, there has to be a fire truck pointed at it. We're not using it as a drive-through. Forget it. Put that out of your mind. It's not happening. It used to run as a drive-through a little bit here, but that's one of the things I changed. Yes. And that's why I'm laughing because him and I had this conversation. I was like, well, why don't you just face them so one goes out and the second deal goes out? Yeah, because what, what if you want the one in the yeah, back of the first? Yeah. <laughs> Times thousands of times, yeah. times across the country. Yeah, I love it. We have one door in Chesmer. I don't let them do that. Both the trucks point one way. And like, I'm going away for a couple of weeks. And I know when I get back, there'll be a truck point. Like, well, we had a call and it was, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's all just a big game, right? But uh, lots of space out there, right? You got nice rigs. So lots of doors, lots of trucks, lots of training capabilities, right? And so let's talk a little bit about the hall first, right? What are some of the things that you love about being a tri-center? Right off the top is the interoperations, right? So having the ability to to directly talk with the AHS crew. So they're, they're very integrated. We know every one of the, the shifts. Are oftentimes at lunch hour, they're in here and, and we're mingling, right? You don't normally get that in the others. They'd be just stationed at another place and you might see them in passing on these calls. But we very much operate with them and train with them, I would, I would say. And then when we look at the RCMP shop, although we're not, and I was telling you this uh, the other, just earlier, we can't get right into there. The door is always unlocked when we're having like uh, birthdays and stuff like that over here. They very much come over and we know every one of them by name. They have us on, on their own phones. They get our rip and runs. They know when they have fires, do I need to be there kind of thing. So it's the interoperability between the agencies that I don't think would be there if, if you had that separation, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, for sure. Because why would they come over, right? Right. That's the, like here you got to walk across a bay. Yeah. Big deal. You know, if you got to drive across town, you're probably less likely to do it, right? Less likely to be. There's always someone in every one of those agencies that's friends with everyone. And, but, you know, this makes it easier for sure. So I like that part. Peter, being here and, and being the district chief of this hall, that whole ambulance thing's got to be a huge plus for you to be able to know if there's an ambulance in or not, right? And Yep. Yeah, no. At MVAs, anywhere, I don't, I don't know. It seems like you would really love that piece. And quite often uh, we get back from a call if uh, they didn't have to transport for whatever reason, we'll, we'll meet them back here and we can debrief the call afterwards with them, things like that. Or... Everybody right in on one debriefing instead of, Yep. hey, can you talk to the ambulance and find out what was going on with the... Exactly. Not always. I mean, if they have to take off to the city or something, they don't get back for a while. But we might even see them on our next practice night. They, that crew it, might be. Is here. this an AHS one or is this a private? It's a it's AHS. AHS is own. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and I mean, to that, like even even being that close, uh, we went on an NBC. Like when you're there, they know you, right? And and you don't yeah. have to beat around the bush when you're talking. And at the end of the day, if anyone's feelings are hurt at the end, you hope they're not. Um, but when you're on the scene, it's very much. Yeah. just getting the job done feelings can get hurt these guys can talk and, and uh you know work it out so yeah for sure and vice versa like if it goes really good yeah. they can run over and be like hey man we crushed that one here here's the stuff you need <laughs> right or they'll they'll come over and start telling us about this really cool call they yeah. had and, and it, it's interesting and it's good for our learning too and yeah that's and right it, uh yeah that's that's yeah, 24 hours a day so they I mean they could be here at practice they could be here when you're training and, yeah quite yeah. often there's a crew here when we're here so. that's awesome okay let's talk about your training uh tower who's gonna go first Doug pointed at Peter, so I guess, Peter, you're going first. Well, right. So you played rock, paper, rank with you. you lost. <laughs> that was crazy. 
I did my 1001 level one and two back in 2011 and 12, I think it was. And that tower was pretty well brand new at that time. And it uh, doesn't have all the fancy props in it that it does now, but it, <laughs> funny story, there was a little smoke machine in there and it just used a little tiny um, computer fan, like out of a CPU. Okay. And one of our students stuck his finger in it, and we had to bandage him up after that. Good, good thing the ambulance was close. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, that popped in my head as soon as I talked about, about training in that tower. But yeah, so I was one of the first classes that actually got to use that. that cool. Facility. So you've seen a lot of training happen there then yep. in that in that unit. Yep. I've humped a lot of hose up those steps <laughs> and back down. And, uh, and yeah. Yeah, but no, it's a fantastic facility. Um we couldn't do our our final uh, exam in it. Uh, they sent us to Brooks to use their their Class A tower uh, when we did our practical, but we did all our training here. And uh, yeah, Brooks is close. We've been to that one too. It's a nice uh, tower as well. Acres Emergency Vehicles: A message from our community. A person who is risking his or her life to save the lives and properties of others deserves something as reliable as an Acres Emergency Vehicle. This is our mission, to thank these people with the best gift we can, our best effort. Our commitment includes a firefighter-driven design, manufacturing integrity, personal and professional service. We are here to serve. We guarantee personal and professional service every step of the way. Acres Emergency Vehicles, built for a life of service. Please visit our website at www.acresev.ca. There's something about, uh, and this is probably for you, Doug, something about having the flammable uh, liquid fires instead of having the Class A combustible fires, right? Being able to use the, sorry, the gas side of propane. Yeah, and I know the arguments that are out there, well, there's nothing like nice heavy black smoke, you know, burning your pellets and whatnot. Like carcinogens to get you. right. At the end of the day, Jamie, we run this, and we'll talk about the upgrades that we'll be getting, but... The smoke that, that we do flow in there is cold smoke uh, ran by nitrogen and some sort of uh, mineral oil, and we get it thick, so they're not seeing anything anyway, right? So when they come out of there, the difference being they're getting the same experience. They're experiencing the heat. They're exp- experiencing the zero visibility. They're experiencing what happens when they start to do the ventilation and whatnot and how it lifts off. But at the end of the day, when they come out, they're clean. They'll still have to wipe down and whatnot, but their gear is back in service, and they're ready to go. So the ability to shut it down right away and the safety factors that are built into that and just the levels that you're able to do on there like we can do uh, aerial training we just don't have an aerial so we we don't put the put the uh, bucket up um, we do 1006 high angle from the, from the tower side you name it we can do it you got a confined space in there so we don't have to go anywhere and and we can get the guys trained to where they need to be right here at home oh, so it's you got a hydrant right here it's a paved lot so you're yeah. not getting your hose all dirty and full of junk and exactly i see a lot of benefits to it i mean i'm an old school class a combustible guy but that's not to say that i don't love the stories when the guys i think we had some guys come out here and do the instructor the 1403 1403 yeah. and they loved it right they had nothing but great things to say about the building and you know it's it's kind of cool the the black thick smoke versus the white stuff you can't see through i don't know if i get that there's a big difference right i mean class a is cheap that's why people go with class a right you could bang some sea cans together and grab some pallets and straw and it's all easy right this one's more upfront cost but then less maintenance cost probably along the way and we talk about Class A. I know that uh, 1403 is, is sought after. It's, it's very seldom ran in, in Canada, right? You got to travel around. And if, if you're not doing it right, you can you could seriously injure someone too. I mean, there's many stories out there where guys are coming out with melted visors and whatnot, you know, starting to get the cracking in the masks. Well, that tells you that it's a little too hot. We, you're not going to experience that in, in a tower, but you're still going to get the same training value without the risk. You know, there's always some risk. But that's going to shut down at the level where your gear is going to start failing, you know. So Yeah, it's back to that old training fire. doesn't know it's a training fire, but if you have the ability to shut it off if something's going wrong. That's right. Right? Something, something pretty good there. So I think, Peter, did he talk about some upgrades coming? Did you hear that when he was talking about that? Oh, yeah. Is that? Yeah. yeah? All right. Who's going to tell us about that? 
I can, I can give you a rundown <laughs> on that. So, so we have been using this a lot, and we, we're we're seeing a you know an uptick in in users coming uh, to, come to the community, and there and there are some some things that we didn't like, and it, it is getting older. So there we were needing upgrades, and we we're bringing guys in from the U.S., and every time we bring them in, it's costing us uh, quite a penny to get them come up and service it. So we're moving to full automation essentially. So. We're going to add on a, um, a control center that's going to control all the fires. It's going to control the smoke. We're going to have thermal cameras on all three levels. We're going to have sound systems so that we're able to uh, simulate saws, all that kind of stuff. If there's none going, you know, victims, you name it, we'll be able to do it. We're going to add some window props. So it'll be, uh, if you're coming up on, let's say, the alpha side, uh, you might have a, you know, you'll see flame through the window, essentially. So you'll have uh, that. Uh, we're looking at doing some more exterior props. Yeah, we're going to be able to actually set. So if we have 1001 level one class going through, that's going to be their first introduction to fire. We'll be able to set it to like beginner level, right? Start them, start them off small. And then you'll be able to start to build the scenario so it's not so easy to go out as you're getting in there, right? So very exciting for us. I think it's going to be even for our guys because they've been through there a lot, right? So it's right. going to be something new. Yeah, you know? so more challenge. More right? challenging. You're going to yeah. be in the command post. Yeah, <laughs> running the whole building. On the safety side, I mean, if we have issues now... Um, we're out there troubleshooting it. We're going through the binder. Now we'll be able to just link right up with the, uh, I think it's uh, KFT out of the States, and they should be able to just buzz oh, in yeah, there. Oh, computerized. So they check get it out, out right? Okay, so, nice. Yeah. That makes it easier, right? Anything that's IT. Yeah. Although IT is IT. Yeah. Actually, probably won't be you. You'll need some 14-year-old that can run that for you. <laughs> like a video game, right? I also noticed you had the car prop fire, which is cool, right? So let's go back to Peter, right? You're in there with the guys all the time. What's your favorite run? What do you love to set up? What's the... You know, it, it's not going to sound very exciting. But <laughs> for us, you have a lot of guys that have done their 1001 a few years ago and stuff, and we, we don't get structure fires all the time. We don't always get to pull up to something that we can go in. So I was just thinking, coming up a little bit warmer weather, everything gets melted off and dried off. I'm going to get the guys to tag hydrants and make entry. And... And back to the basics. Back to the basics. And because we'll get a structure fire in town and it's like everybody's first day on the job and hose beds charged and lines aren't pulled. And I'm so happy to hear that happens here the same as everywhere else. That's well, great. you know, it, it doesn't happen a lot, but yeah. it happens. And when it does, I, it still hurts your feeling. Eh? I, it's very frustrating. <laughs> it's very frustrating. So, I mean, that's, that's the next thing we're going to do with it is – is just getting the guys starting at the beginning, tagging the hydrant and pulling that pre-connect properly and uh, making sure the drains and the trucks are closed. And yeah. we use that tower a lot because we have two-hour training sessions. So th those are the kinds of runs I can do in, in an evening practice. Okay. You know, and then we can fire up. There's a, there's a bed, uh, flaming bed prop in that first bedroom there, and we'll fire it up and get some heat going, and that gets everybody's blood pumping and... Yeah, so that's not super exciting. That's not all the, the big toys, but... Ah, BTTB, right? Back to the basics. It's a critical thing that, especially as we progress past everything, right? I think when you're doing those runs and you're taking your 10 on one, it's exciting because it's new. Later on, it's not as exciting, but it's critical to have that muscle memory to be like, hey, this is what we're supposed to do. We pull up, we hit the hydrant, we pull a line, we get in there, right? The pump operator spools up the pump and... If they groan about it, I just remind them about the time they charge the hose bed. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's the chief's job. It's always to remember. Right on. Love that. Doug, you might have a different one. What's your favorite, like, when you, uh, you're doing training? I enjoy both, like uh, like Peter's saying. I like to send them up to the – so I like to do the um, interior runs, but I like to set them up to either the um, – Second story and make like they're coming down to their basement fire. Okay, yeah. Or uh, I like the industrial props. I like to have them do their their advance on that and whatnot because we do have a lot of abandoned wells and whatnot out here. But, sure. Uh, oh, I like the, I like to get the big heat, the big fire going, and we usually get that with the liquid uh, propane on those props there, and then that gets their eyes going and they could see the effects of that full fog when they're walking up and they're right there and it's blaring and nothing's happening to them. And eh? that's so, protection piece. That's right. So, yeah. Yeah. How powerful that hose is. More powerful than they'll ever understand, I think. Eh? 
All right, cool. So it's time. We got to talk about recruitment and retention and some cool new stuff that's going on here. I promised at the start, I've made them wait long enough. Now I've made them listen to 45 minutes worth of stuff that they don't care about to, to get to this one thing that everybody in Canada cares about. Somebody that's got a new piece, a new idea to help with recruitment and retention. This was a key one because we tried this uh, before. We just weren't uh, financial, like the county wasn't in the financial position to actually do it. We approached uh, CVIS and we were looking for or something to really give back to the to the members because no one's here to uh, this is not their their way of making a living right this is their way of giving back to the community and and the fact that they get a you know a bit of a wage is is insignificant to them right yeah um, sure. so we were looking at because they're, they're guys like Pete and, and guys that already have their jobs so we we're looking at well how can we bring more people in yet giving back to the firefighters helping them out and their and their families and keep them here so we went with uh, a health and dental benefit plan. We rolled that out uh, January, I think it was 1st, wasn't it? Yep. January 1st. So now, you know, every firefighter in the county has health and dental benefits. So they can go get their prescriptions 50%. And they go with their dental, all that kind of stuff. There's a, there's a whole list of things that, that is available to them, much like I would have with Vulcan County uh, on the uh, municipal side. That is something that was met with uh, great fanfare. I was just talking, and he said I could use his name, so I'll use it on here. But I was just talking to a friend of mine, Chris who's also a uh, firefighter out there. And he said, just since January, just since January, when it started, his family's already spent a thousand dollars on that plan. Right. That would normally have been a thousand dollars that came out of their pocket, um, which is not more. Right. So well, it's kind of cool to have Peter sitting here because like you're running a ranch, right? That's your business. That's your, your income. That's your, and so for your family, your job is to run a ranch. So, there's not too many ranchers out there with benefits. <laughs> Fortunately, I have a wife that works in town. Ah, now you see you out here. Right on. Um, and, and she has a plan, but I mean, it's it, it covers a percentage. And then uh, and now this, this plan tops that up to, so we're 100% okay. now. Yeah. When I heard this, I actually think I read it first and, and you and I were messaging back and forth and I was like, genius. Like, honestly, like, why didn't other people think of this and do this? Because there is, there's a ton of people that have jobs that don't have benefits. Yeah. You have to buy any kind of prescriptions, right? So for a couple of years when we were running our consulting business, we didn't have benefits. And up until then, my whole life, I'd had benefits, right? And I was like, holy crap, this is how much medicine costs? <laughs> it's not four bucks, <laughs> right? We had this one, I can't remember which one of us, it was like 200 bucks every couple of months, right? And so you think about what that adds up to. Um, going to the dentist. It seems like a small thing to somebody that has benefits, going to the dentist, oh, it's cool. I go twice a year. It's awesome. When people don't have benefits, you put it off, yeah. right? Because it might be groceries or going to the dentist. It, it, it might be something like that, right? Exactly. In this brand, Jamie, like you got orthotics. You're talking about you get ah, orthotics, right? You get, you get up to an amount, which covers the orthotics. Yeah. You got eyeglasses, stuff that you would normally have to pay out of your own pocket. And the crazy thing is I didn't want it to cost the firefighters, right? I didn't want there to be a premium. Yeah. So there's no premium. The uh, I approached my council and they, it was unanimous. We're in a position to do this. It should be no cost to our firefighters. The only thing we ask from them in, in return is, you know, attend 50% of your practices, 25% of calls. And we'll, we'll keep those benefits going all day long. And then, you know, if they don't, then there's there's steps there that we'd have to address. But that, that comes down to my district chiefs. But it's, yeah. it's phenomenal. And, I mean, we've gotten positive reviews from it. So yeah. we're just hoping it'll – I mean, we're sitting at 95. We've had people uh, join since we've had that. Is it – I mean, I didn't ask them if that's why they were joining. But uh, we're already seeing an increase in numbers. So Again, one of those things where you're probably not just joining for that. But as right. far as a package goes yeah. – doesn't hurt to have it in there, right? You know, you're doing a job, you're making 20 bucks an hour, you're just surviving, and now all of a sudden you can have benefits on top of that. Pretty good for a young person. Exactly. I know tons of older guys that, you know, a lot of buddies that are truckers, never had benefits in their whole life, right? So something like that would give them benefits. It's a cool idea. It's a cool thing. I uh, I hope everyone that listens to this kind of looks into it, thinks about it, right? Um, it's not as expensive as you think it would be. Yeah. Honestly, and that's, and I've had a lot of calls since we've uh, implemented, like you uh, alluded to there, Jamie. And uh, at the end of the day, I, I hope that a lot more departments are doing it. Uh, I, I think, you know, firefighters deserve it. Some municipalities aren't in a position to do that. But if you are, give some serious thought to it. You know? Yeah. Well, I guess it's always like, you know, what do we spend our money on? There's only X amount of money, right? And so even fire departments could think about 
if you want it bad enough, you'll figure out a way to fit it into what you're doing, right? Recruitment and retention is probably the single biggest issue that we're facing right now, right? Across Canada. Around the globe. It's it's uh, everywhere we go. Everybody's talking about it all the time, right? And if there was easy solutions, we'd all come up with it. So every time there's a good new idea, it, it's awesome when people share it, right? Somebody else could pick it up and try and use it. And, you know, even back when I was in the North there, I can think of dozens of people. It'd be the only benefits they have, which so that's super cool, right? That you could help them out in a unique way that everybody's, it's great. You get a tax credit on your taxes and that's not money in your pocket, like not having to spend 200 bucks on pills, right? Like not having to spend 300 bucks to get your kid's teeth clean. Like that's money in your pocket. That's stuff that stays with you and, and helps you and, and keeps you going, right? So don't even get me started on that tax credit. Okay. That'll <laughs> be for another podcast. Get you fired up. <laughs> I hear you, right? I mean, there's so many things that we could do to help firefighters and we don't, but they're working on it. So thanks for sharing that. I think that that's awesome. I, I'm excited to, uh, hear the feedback when people listen to this and see what they say, right? I think this will also probably help jumpstart a, a discussion with some of my friends and, and people that listen to us in Europe, right? And some of the things that they do. And and so you're right though, recruitment and retention, right? When you, you're a chief and you're any kind of officer in the fire service and you're trying to figure out how can we get some more butts in these seats? How can we make it easier for them, right? We need to be the employer of choice uh, at the end of the day in, in this area. Like what can I offer to get them in here and not somewhere else or keep them, keep them around. You know what I mean? And that's just one thing that we're hoping is going to work. Well, and there's even that small town living piece, right? I'm sure there's endless things that you can volunteer your time to here, you know, and there's not enough people to keep all those things going. So how do we even beat those other places that are need volunteers? And, and it's a lot of our firefighters, let's be honest, are the same ones that volunteer a lot of those other things too. Right. I have a young member. He's a Lieutenant here. He's a town counselor, he's a hockey coach, he's a firefighter, and he has a full-time job. Right? Why is he so lazy? Like, why doesn't he try and do some stuff? <laughs> <laughs> I've, been, I've been trying to explain to him about time management and, and biting off more than he can chew. But You know what? I talk about this quite a bit, and it's those phases of life, right? We can all remember when you're single. You got all the time in the world. You can do whatever you want. Yet, you know, first get that serious girlfriend, maybe even get married. You're still, you know, I can do the things I want. I, I can fit it in. She'll do her. I'll do my thing. But then you start to have kids. And then, you know, your job or your farm or, you know, your house or something needs more time, right? And so you're trying to grow that and work on that and fix that. And then all of a sudden your kids get to that age, right? Right around the age that yours are getting. And they need a lot more stuff, right? They, they need to drive me here and drive me there. And we got to go this weekend. We got to, right? And I don't think the fire service really reacts to all those phases of life. We just keep wanting as much as we can get from you, right? We want you to take all this training. We want you to do all this stuff. We want to keep up on everything. And we kind of always ask the same amount from you, but your life is not really built like that. I can give a lot up front. I could probably give a lot once my kids, you know, they're growing up. They don't need me as much. My business is going. My farm is going. I'm, I'm established, right? But in the middle... When you're trying to get married, have kids, be the hockey coach, be the, right, all of the things to everybody that, that you have to be, plus grow your business and fix your house and, and move into a new house. And I think we ask too much in that middle section. It's funny you should mention that because that's one of the things I, I have these conversations with. P's a bit of my soundboard, but I'll bounce those things off. And that's that's one of the things I try to plan, like I plan my my yearly training schedule, right? And, and I try to plan it around seeding harvest and all that stuff but and and that's me where i feel is is really realizing that these guys got other stuff on the go you know I, I have the things that i need to get get them to get trained up on but just understanding that there's there's years to get that done you know it's, so it's almost it doesn't like, have to be pushed all you in. young ones with no responsibility you're with me we're going to train the crap out of you everybody else that has a million responsibilities we're going to do less with you <laughs> right? i'm a prime example of that too i i put a lot of time and energy into this place and i i got burnt out and i had to take a little bit of a step back and that was something that we all had to learn that it was okay and i'd learned that it was okay to say no and like I cannot take this course this weekend. And I, in all honesty, we're lucky we didn't lose you because that's 
right when we start to lose good people, right? Because we keep asking for the same amount, but you don't have that much to give. Yeah. And then we're upset that you're not giving us the same amount that you always gave us. Instead of taking that step back and going, oh, that's okay. You watch. Five or six years from now, Peter will be back and he'll be better than ever. And, right? And fortunately for me, and, and fortunately for Doug too, he kind of picked up on it and we we came up with a bit of a plan. And yeah, like you say, we, we saved my career here. Yeah, let you stay, right? No. And and I, it, was, it was a learning experience for me and I've done the same with my firefighters. I, I'll pick up, you know, you can tell when somebody's a little bit down or, or not, not doing so well and, or haven't been showing up and, and you have that conversation with them and say, fine, yeah, that take three months or take six months and get done what you need to do and get some R&R &R and then we'll be ready for you to come back. And we've done it. And, and, you know, and hopefully that's part of this retention too, right? We can give a little bit of that space and that breathing room and having some understanding instead of just getting mad. Because if you have some understanding, then you can have the difficult discussion and then you can figure out a solution. And if I went back in my career 15 years ago, I'd be the first one to be like, what's this guy's problem? He's not showing up. He's not doing the thing. He doesn't come to calls anymore. I would be the first one, right? While I was coaching hockey for three different hockey teams, while I was trying to do a million, while I was running the senior men's hockey team and fundraising for hockey and right but it was okay for me. So I would just have that expectation for everybody. Like, what, what's your problem? What are you lazy? Cause you don't want to work 20 hours a day like me. And it's not like that. It's just like, Hey, I can't, I have these other responsibilities I have. Right. I think it all came crashing down for me one night when a guy come rolling in three 30 in the morning, he was cleaning snow and he brought his loader that he was driving to the fire hall. And, and I was like, Ronnie, what are you doing here? Right? Like you just drove a loader from across town cleaning a parking lot to come here and jump on the truck and go 80 kilometers up the highway for what's probably just going to be some drunk drove in the ditch. And you're going to give up all this time. And like, what are we doing asking you to do that? What are you doing actually giving us the time to do that? We got to manage this better. If I could go back, that would probably be like the TSN turning point for me. Right. All right, we're getting close to the end here, but I want to give you guys time. And I like to do this one, right? And we're going to start with Doug because I'm going to put you on the hot seat here. I want you to take a minute and I want you to give yourself, you know, your 18-year-old self some advice on how to make it through the fire service and, and how to do a good job while you're doing it. Huh. I thought you said a minute's a long time on the podcast. It, right? it is. That was actually just 15 minutes. You don't even know that's how. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have any regrets because everything's a, a learning experience for me, but not taking everything seriously. When I say seriously, is like, don't take it personally. You know what I mean? Like at, at the end of the day, a job needs to get done and someone's got to do it. And sometimes things may not come across as, as you like and just carry toilet, on. Toilet you know? cleaning is just toilet that's, cleaning. That's though. it. You know what I mean? So <laughs> those would be the advices. And then just, you know, just drive hard. You know, I wish I'd gotten into it a lot earlier, you know, instead I did, uh, I did 13 years in the forces. I truly do wish I, I could have got on a lot earlier, a lot younger. That would be my, my advice. Yeah, just get into her. Yeah. Right on. Peter? Two things come to mind. I guess uh, kind of similar to Doug there. I, back to my 18-year-old self, I never realized that I could have made a career out of this. Like, I just didn't know that. And maybe that's something I could have pursued and got into. But, you know, back... At the time, I was a farm kid, and I went on to an agricultural college and got another agricultural job, and I probably could have could have made a career in the fire service. But and then uh, since I have started, I guess the um, I'm a Gen Xer, and we're kind of that nose down, tail up, get the job done kind of attitude, and and I guess just realizing the the human side of things, and, and in this business, we talk about mental health a lot, and. And that you do have to take that time to take care of yourself and your, your co-workers and colleagues and friends and neighbors and families. And sometimes you don't have to do it all yourself either. What? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. No one just, does that. Yeah. No, I mean, all good advice, right? For yourself today and, and for your 18-year-old self. I would say there's so many people that reach out and say, hey, I'm I'm 18. I got my, you know, or 19. I'm taking my 1001. I'm going to have my 1001. And how do I do the next steps, right? 
And so, you know, we work with them and we try to figure out, you know, what they want to do and where they want to fit in. And there is a ton of jobs in this world, right? Private jobs, public jobs. Uh, you know, there's the medical side, the fire side, even the policing side. And so good, good advice for 18 year old to be like, yeah, this could be a real career for you, right? You could spend a lifetime doing what I call the greatest job in the world, right? We have the golden ticket where it doesn't matter, volunteer, paid on call, full time private contractor, whatever, if you're fighting fire, you, you got the golden ticket, right? That's just it. And I say to the firefighters, even when I teach these uh, 1001 classes, like I'm proud of where I came from to where I am today, right? At the end of the day, I started off on a, on a truly volunteer department, truly, 2216s, you're using little hose coming out and all that kind of stuff, really old antiquated equipment to today. But at the end of the day, you can work your way up from the paid on call. The majority of firefighters in Canada are volunteer and paid on call, right? There's only a small segment that actually is full time. But rolling up, and if you and if you're serious about it, you you work your way through these paid on call volunteer departments. You can graduate into the making it a career. For, I mean, I've done it, right? So you you've done it. Uh, it's it's it's, it's a huge responsibility right yeah huge responsibility for those career departments to understand that you know hundreds of people are vying for every job right and so do a good job and pick it and then huge responsibility for those career firefighters to live up to that you get to do full time what 88% of the firefighters in Canada do for free or or for very cheap right that's some big shoes to live up to in my opinion i always tell the career firefighters like just stay on it man like it, this is uh everyone wishes they had your job every other firefighter so take that responsibility uh seriously all right that's it guys i want to thank you for having me out here to vulcan and let's look around vulcan county and i have this feeling that i'll be back again and we'll talk some more and and kind of see how things are going as you uh progress maybe i'll be in the command center running a fire simulation one day <laughs> or i'll at least be working for your kid peter and uh <laughs> doing uh doing some fun firefighting stuff out here so thanks for having me out tonight thank you thanks Thanks for listening to Growing Up Fire today. Follow me on Instagram at Chief Coots to comment or send questions. We appreciate your support.